0: Thanks for joining me. I'm glad you're here. It's it's always good for us to be together. And uh, we now arrive at part five of our series on emotions. Part five of our series on emotions, fittingly, called All the Feels. And herein we are using the Bible as a blueprint to discover God's designs, God's desires for us when it comes to our emotions, how God created us to feel, how he created us to handle the fields. Now, I don't know about you, but speaking for myself, I find that I can use a little bit of assistance from time to time when it comes to navigating the terrain of the heart and navigating the terrain of the mind. And that's what we're here to find, some assistance for those things. So far, we've explored anger. We have explored fear. We have explored the sadness of grief Today, I want to diverge slightly from the pattern that we have followed to this point. It is absolutely true that God wired us with a capacity for emotional response. This is one of the ways that we reflect his likeness. It's one of the ways that we show who he is in how we live. But it is equally true That we presently reside in a world that is something less than the ideal it was intended to be. I don't think you need me to convince you of that fact. The world's not what it was intended to be. This, This isn't the ideal, and that context, together with our less than perfect nature, can lead us to feel things that we were not meant to feel. In our time together, I want to look at one such sentiment and what to do with it. Okay, today we're taking on insecurity. Do y'all know anything about this? As I was preparing, I realized asking the question asking insecure people to raise their hand. (laughs) Um, This is the voice that says you're inadequate. It's the voice that says you're not enough. The voice that says you're less than, you're worthless. It deals in dead ends. It deals in impossibilities. It deals in nevers. It tells you you can't. It's a deterrent that holds us back, church. It absolutely holds us back. But today we fight back. My aim for us is to see insecurity for what it is, and by God's grace, to loosen its hold on us. So let's set the tone for that, shall we? Turn to somebody and tell them, don't be insecure. Just just preach to each other a little bit. Don't be insecure. Don't do it. It's not a good look for you. Do not be insecure. Now, we're going to be moving around in the scriptures a little bit. But let's start off in the book of 1 Samuel. So I invite you to open a Bible or Bible app and meet me there. Here's the plan. I want to frame out some facts about insecurity. I want to frame out some some things that it feeds on. And knowing those things, we can get to the fix. To guide us in the process, we turn to the story of an individual whose life is a case study in insecurity. It's somebody I've preached on before. You've heard me mention him. His name is Saul. Saul is the man that God chose to be the first king of his people. And we make his acquaintance in chapter 9 of 1 Samuel. Here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 9, starting in verse 2. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. We're going to stop right there. Y'all meet Saul. Now, I'll tell you up front, the more that we get to know him, the more that we navigate through his story, the more that his, his deep, acute sense of insecurity will become apparent. Right? And as it often does, that insecurity has a devastating impact, not only on his life, but on the lives of the people around him. How many of you know that your insecurity is not just about you? It plays out in the lives of the people around you, too. Now, here's the thing. If we were to judge solely based on appearance, we might miss that part. Because Saul, he's a good-looking guy. Saul, by all appearance, has it together. So he's tall, he's handsome, he's well built, he he cuts a fine figure. And I find it interesting that this is how he's introduced. This is our first impression of him. How he looks. Now, now what's that saying? Appearances can be deceiving. Here's what I'm driving at, church insecurity is not just skin deep. So often and I think, I think that's a necessary course correction, a necessary clarification this is not merely a superficial issue, because so often, our insecurities attach to a physical or external facet of our lives. And so naturally our assumption is thus to fix. Right If I'm insecure, we, we look at, at, at size, body type, some aspect of our appearance. And, and, and we think, if I was taller. If I was thinner, if I was more fit, if if I conformed to some trending ideal standard, then I would feel worth. Then I would feel sufficient. I would be confident. Maybe not. Didn't work for Saul. Saul. Didn't work for him. Now, now, I'm not saying that any of those things, that they don't have any bearing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't pay attention to them, but they're not the root. They are not the root. It goes so much deeper. We are spiritual beings, and our value, our worth, is a spiritual issue. Let me, let me bottom line this for us. Insecurity is a spiritual matter. It's a spiritual issue. Now, we'll see this play out with Saul in his story. And overcoming it in our own lives requires us to go deep. The the, the presenting issue, the symptom, so often is is not the real issue at all. We gotta go deeper than that, church. We we have to do more than medicate symptoms, a new diet, a new workout, a new wardrobe, a, a, a surgery. Again, I'm not trying to be dismissive of such things. They can be beneficial, but we've got to cure the cause. Which means recognizing the issue for what it is. Insecurity starts in your soul, friend. It starts in your soul. And that's where we've got to go to fix it. Let's keep going here. First Samuel chapter 9, jumping down to verse 20. We're jumping into the middle of a conversation here. An individual by the name of Samuel is speaking to Saul. As for the donkeys you, you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They've been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? Saul answered, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans in the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? So here's what's going on. Again, the man who is address- addressing Saul is a prophet named Samuel, for whom this book is named, for whom its sequel, 2 Samuel, is named. And the backstory of the conversation is this Saul's father lost some of his livestock. Somebody left a gate open, something happened. He sends Saul out in search of the donkeys. And in his search, Saul turns to Samuel. Samuel was a well-known prophet. Maybe this guy can tell me where my lost stuff is at. Now, unknown to Saul, God was using this, this circumstance to bring him to Samuel in order to be anointed as king. But notice what happens. When Samuel speaks to that, when he alludes to that, Saul objects. And he expresses his doubts. Who? Me. Now we might be inclined to think that Saul's just being modest here. This is this is just him being humble. Church, can I tell you that humility and insecurity are two very different things? Don't, don't let your insecurity fool you into think you're just being humble. Okay, they're they're different things. And we know from the rest of the story that there's more to it. Samuel just read Saul's mail. These two men have only just met, and Saul has not had time to tell Samuel what's going on. I lost my dad's donkeys. I'm going to be in trouble if I don't find them. Can you help me out? He hasn't said a thing to Samuel, but Samuel tells him, I know why you're here. You, You came here looking for your livestock, but I'm here to tell you that God brought you to this place for much bigger reasons, Saul. He just read his mail. And so what he says next He's got credibility. This is a man who hears from God. Saul, God has raised you up for for big things. And yet, what's Saul's reaction? He's not so sure about this. I I don't know if I can believe this. I, I, I can't seem to accept this. Why? His response reveals something to us about the nature of insecurity. Here it is. Insecurity centers on self. Every Time. Insecurity will center on self. What's the objection? Who am I? Who am I? He he lists out his limitations, all the reasons why this has to be a mistake, why Samuel must have misheard. This can't be. I'm not qualified. Do, do you know who I am? Who you're talking to right now? I come from a tiny tribe with, with a no-name family. I'm nobody, I don't have the right name, I don't have the right connections. Can you see how his focus is misplaced? This is what insecurity does, it puts the emphasis on you. You have to figure it out. This is your responsibility, the pressure, it's on your shoulders. You've got to make it work. You've got to be good enough. You've got to figure it out. And then once it has saddled you with that weight, it will tell you that you can't. You don't have what it takes. You can't cut it. You'll never make it. I wonder if you know what this is like, sensing a call on your life, but immediately starting to push back. God, you must have the wrong person. Do, do, do you know who you're talking to? Are, are, are you sure about this? Because I'm not. I'm not. Let me tell you, God, about all of my limitations. Let me tell you all the reasons why I can't. I can't do what you're asking me to do. Who am I? Now, I want to come back to that question. But first, we need to play this out all the way. Okay, Saul's life, Saul's experience shows us where insecurity ends if we let it lead. Sure enough, he becomes king. Samuel anoints him. The nation celebrates. But ultimately, Saul stalls out as an inept and ineffective leader. And here's the thing. That's not because... Of his inability. It's because of his insecurity. How do we know that? Well, consider God knew what Saul was capable of when he chose him. God saw Saul's potential. Otherwise, he would not have asked him to be king. He would not have anointed him God wanted to use Saul to affect his plans, and he gave him an opportunity to step into that. Join me, Saul. I want to use you. I want to do great things through your life. But Saul couldn't get out of his own head. He just couldn't get out of his own way. And, and, And because of that, he failed to live up to what he could have been. Listen, church, his insistent insecurity became a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what insecurity is. It's self-sabotage. It is self-sabotage. We, we have to know this, church, what we believe is powerful. The narrative that you tell yourself is powerful. Powerful. This is why scripture instructs us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What we believe shapes what we become. So let me ask you, what do you believe in? What do you believe in? Listen to me, insecurity, I'm convinced of this. This may be one of our enemy's most destructive weapons in his war against us. It is propaganda designed to cripple you. Its aim is your self-destruction. Get in your head. Convince you that you've lost before you even started. Mark this, friend. Satan wants to kill your competence so that he can kill your calling. He wants to kill your confidence so that he can kill your calling. Why? Because God has plans for you. God wants to use you. And Satan knows he can't stop God. But if he can get in your head, you can stop yourself. Saul is living proof of this. So listen, we need to reframe this, church. If insecurity centers on self confidence centers on the one who calls us. It centers on the one who calls us. This is the cure, trusting that God knows what he's doing. Listen, I, I, I want to, to reframe insecurity for you. Right? When we say to God, are you sure? I, I don't know about this, God. You've got this plan that you're telling me about, but I'm not so, so sure about this. What we're really saying to God is, you don't know what you're talking about. This is the cure, trusting that God does know what he's doing. He knows everything about me. And so if he chose me for a purpose, I can be confident in that. That's what the scripture says, church. We are chosen people. We are his special prized possession. We've been called out of darkness into his light through faith in Jesus. You belong. You matter. You are valued. Your calling is greater than your can't. So many of us, this is what we carry around. We carry around a can't. Your calling is greater than that. See, it's not about what I can or cannot do. It's about what God can do in and through me. The conversation is not about my insufficiency. It's about his sufficiency for me. And I'm not going to limit God by looking only to myself. That was Saul's mistake. Who am I is the wrong question. That's the wrong question. What matters far more is that the one who calls you, the one who calls me, is faithful, and he will do it. He's faithful, and he will do it. There's an apostle by the name of Paul, and he speaks to this in a letter to his protege, Timothy. He says it like this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. We might say insecure. does not make us insecure, but gives us power love, and self-discipline. Don't be insecure. Don't be insecure. I know you're inclined to do that, Timothy. I know you are inclined to question the calling. I know you are inclined to ask if you have what it takes, but I see it in you. I know it's there. Listen, what God calls you to, friend, he will give you a capacity for. he will give you the capacity for it. He gifted you for his purpose. If your faith is in Jesus, the spirit of God himself lives inside of you. So be confident of that. The indwelling is greater than the insecurity. You have it in you. Now, we're not done just yet because insecurity can take other forms and I wanna do my best to root it all out. So, back to 1 Samuel chapter 15. We're jumping ahead a little bit in the story. Saul is now king. God has given him some tasks to do. You're in a position of authority, Saul. You're in a position of leadership. You have resources at your disposal, and I have some things that I want to see done. This is one of those things. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, there's the insecurity. Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Jump it down to verse 24, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Here it is. I was afraid. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. So setting the scene a little bit, God has pronounced judgment on an evil nation called Amalek. We don't have time to go into all the background, but know there are some really nasty tribes that God gave opportunity after opportunity to to change their ways, ways, and they did not. So God pronounces judgment on this nation called Amalek and he sends Saul in the army of Israel to carry out the sentence. And the orders, the marching instructions are very, very clear. Wipe them out. Destroy everything. Don't take anything. No souvenirs. Just leave it all there. Anybody want to venture a guess at what happens? They don't listen. We learn that Saul and his troops take some spoils of war. And Samuel, the prophet, comes to confront him. What part of this did you not understand, Saul? God made it very clear to you. Saul confesses that the men wanted plunder, and he didn't want to disappoint them. I'm sorry, I just, they they wanted some stuff, and, and, and I couldn't tell them no. So instead of carrying out his calling, what does Saul do? He caves to the crowd. Which provides us with an additional insight here. Insecurity feeds on others' opinions. It feeds on others' opinions. When it came down to it, having the approval of his men mattered more to Saul than having the approval of God. He so feared being disliked. He so feared being rejected that he allowed their sentiments to sway him off course. And what's the result of that? God rejects Saul as king. Saul could not lead those that he allowed to control him. God can no longer use Saul to lead the nation because he was too worried about what people thought. And and church, if I can say this, this remains a danger for us today. That we would so crave the approval, the acceptance, the affirmation of a world that is drifting from God's desires and designs that we stray off course. That, That we would so want to fit in that we sell out. And I would say the same is true for us as it was for Saul. We cannot lead a culture that we allow to control us. We can't do it. At that point, we're not leading anymore. We're following. Jesus calls us to be light in the dark. And and daily, we are faced with the same decision as Saul, which matters more, what people say about me or what God says about me? Which is more important to me? What do I value more? Paul sums this up. Quite well. Writes a letter to the Galatian church. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? That's a question, isn't it? What's the answer for my life? What's the answer for your life? See, if I can be honest, I really like it when those two things line up, don't you? I just make people happy. I make God happy. Everybody wins. It's a good day. But what happens when they don't line up? What happens when what the world desires is different from what God desires? Which do we choose? Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. If this is your number one priority in life, being popular, being accepted, being affirmed, you will not follow Jesus well. I told you we're going deep here, church. What are you after? What what drives you? Where do you find your worth? Where do you find your value and your validation? What is the source of that in your life? What voice holds that power over you? Listen, we're spiritual beings, and our value is a spiritual matter. We've got to go deep with this. So I I would land with this statement. Confidence is found in God's acceptance of you. Nothing less than that is going to do it for you, friend. Insecurity, insecurity tells you one thing. God says something different. If you are in Christ, if you have God's approval, what more validation do you need? There is no greater affirmation than that. And all of the other voices, they don't matter. Confidence is found in God's acceptance of you. So, don't be insecure. Don't do it. It's not a good look for you. Be confident in your calling. Be confident in the one who calls you.